Here at the Willett Homestuck Institute of Analysology, which is definitely a real thing that we didn't just make up, we've already shown you how to identify several archetypes from the Homestuck framework. Riska Circuit, the original archetype that got this all started. The anachronistic conglomeration of stereotypes and bisexuality known as Cronus Ampora. And Gamsi Makara, a widely misunderstood and misrepresented clown. But today, we're going to be looking at a group of characters that I have a strong personal interest in. A collection of three, as a matter of fact. I'm Bucky Grant, and I use he, here, or they, them pronouns. And I'm Janaya Riley, and I use she, her pronouns. And this is the Enterprising Young Lady's Guide to Identifying a Mariam. time, things are going to be a little different. We've got one archetype that covers three different characters, Kanaya Mariam, Pora Mariam, and the Dolorosa. They're all similar, although there are some distinct differences we'll see when we start running down examples. And holy shit, did we think of a lot of examples. So without further ado, here are our major Mariam markers. Our Kanaya characteristics are the criteria for identifying a Mariam. Our first major criterion is that a Mariam is a composed and responsible feminine person who is often assigned as the stereotypical mom friend by either her source material or the fanbase. This is in spite of any actual nuance of her character and whether or not she actually wants to be the mom friend. Regardless of their wishes, the M and Mariam always seems to stand for mom. Possibly contributing to this perception is that Mariams are often supportive to other characters within their narrative. This is often to their detriment, as they have a tendency to be self-sacrificing and selfless to a fault. This means that Mariams are often important to the narrative, but only when it's convenient to the other characters or the narrative itself. A Mariam will show up and offer a well-timed piece of advice or some help, or cut someone in half with a chainsaw, and then be relegated to the background until they're needed again. Of course, Miriams have a sense for when they are needed because they are, almost invariably, quite socially adept. They might not be the most outgoing or the most overtly friendly characters, but they are often keenly aware of their place within their social circles and know how to navigate them flawlessly. Whether or not this wins them a lot of friends or benefit to them in a general sense depends largely on the source material. Regardless of their friendship status, Mariams often have a nurturing relationship with another person who generally doesn't appreciate them. This person is often a man or boy, Kanaya's relationship with Karkat or Purim's relationship with Kankri. Sometimes we see a positive spin on this, as with the Dolorosa and the Signless, but it is frequently more of a benefit to the other person in the relationship than to the Mariam herself. Despite what's being thrown at her, a Mariam always tries to present herself as mature and composed. This is not necessarily true, but she sure does want it to be. A Mariam will, at the very least, put up a front of collected maturity, no matter what she might be feeling inside. This is often read as the character being somewhat distant and uncaring, even if this is the furthest thing from the truth. 
And the last of our major Merriam criteria is that a Merriam often expresses sapphic or WLW tendencies. They might not strictly be exclusively into the ladies, but they have a certain appreciation for them. Appreciation in this case being taken as a euphemism on whatever level you'd prefer. With all those criteria in mind, why don't we take a look at some of the Merriams we've found in other works of fiction? Keep in mind that some of these might be more aligned with a specific Merriam than others, and we've tried to make a note of that where appropriate. My first pick is Mary Poppins, the titular character of her book series and movie. In this case, I'm only focusing on the original movie version. Mary Poppins is solidly headcanonable as sapphic. Also, I think she's a trans woman and I won't elaborate. She's prim and proper and polite in every way, and mysterious and just a little bit threatening. I think it's important that she's taking care of the kids, but she isn't their mom, she isn't their long term, and she's more there to teach them something than to raise them forever. She fits closest to the Dolorosa in archetype. An almost too good to be true pairing are the characters of Sai and Makota Nijima from the game Persona 5. Sai has a nurturing, motherly relationship with her younger sister Makoto, while existing primarily to support and facilitate the growth of the main cast. All wrapped up in narrative and social expectations, she exists at the border between fulfilling her duty as a prosecutor and helping the Phantom Thieves do what's right. Her younger sister Makoto fills the role of Kanaya to Sai's Purim, being younger and less experienced, but with a very similar personality and role within the narrative. As an added bonus, both characters get death and rebirth themes through Sai's shadow self and Makoto's persona awakening. My next choice is Vespa Ilke from the Penumbra podcast Juno Steel storyline. She is a doctor and an assassin, and that's very sexy of her. She's brought to the brink of death by a pharmaceutical conglomerate's debt callers and saved by her long-lost girlfriend and partner in crime before they get married in space with their crime family, which is extremely cool! She also struggles with her sense of self-worth, especially as a neurodivergent woman. On top of all of that, Vespa is absolutely, solidly, 1000% sapphic. No headcanons needed. Also, she would not hesitate to kill anyone who fucks with her. Vespa is in her 40s or 50s when we meet her, but I would honestly give her the Kanaya archetype. There's little doubt that Naomi Nagata from The Expanse is a Merriam. She's the mom of the crew, having a nurturing but somewhat parasitic relationship with both her crewmate Amos, who at least appreciates what she's doing, and her actual son Philip, who kinda really doesn't. Mostly in a support role in the narrative, but she does get to shine in later seasons, although her journey is still often framed in the context of other characters. As a member of the space proletariat class that are the Belters, she's had to develop a certain degree of social awareness to get by. Naomi gets bonus points for her relationship with Kamina Drummer, which has, at the very least, an enormous amount of sapphic tension. This one struck me like a train while I was thinking about the Adventure Zone balance one day, but Madam Director Lucretia is a Merriam as well. She's the height of composure at first, but her humor begins to show through, especially when we flash back to when she was younger. She writes and paints, and she lost years of her life to Wonderland. Lucretia is also solidly put in the position of being the de facto matronly figure to trace horny boys, but let's be real, is there a single woman in Taz Balance that isn't created to do so? She's badass and competent, but her importance waxes and wanes depending on what the plot needs, and she tends to be contentious in the fanbase, as some, like myself, understand where she was coming from and why she chose to do what she did, while others will write her off as malicious. For no reason at all, I'm sure. I would honestly slot her in as a Dolorosa, especially if you've played Distant Quest. 
Rarity from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is one character who hits the Merriam nail very squarely on the head. Slotted into a somewhat maternal role despite being no older than the rest of the main six, Rarity brings strong Kanaya energy. For her, it's a combination of support player vibes, creative hobbies, especially sewing, and sheer unrestrained gayness that ultimately cinched the deal on this one. I really love Lieutenant Riza Hawkeye from Full Metal Alchemist's Brotherhood as a Porum, specifically. She's somehow continually mummified by the fandom despite just being a bro. She is just a bro! Hawkeye genuinely cares about Ed and Alphonse, because how could you not care about Alphonse? And Ed, I guess. I also maintain she and Roy are WLW MLM best friends. There's also a line from part one or two where one of the soldiers says, you would swear the lieutenant is Colonel Mustang's nanny, which really just solidifies the poor McCancree vibe the two of them have going on. A bit of an unusual example is Midna from Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, but I think it's one that works. A solidly supporting role character who, by all rights of narrative presentation, should be way more of a focal point than she's treated. Instead, she mostly gets to provide support for Link. She provides the kind of vaguely maternal guidance that Zelda often represents in the games, but amped up to 11 through her combination parasitic and supportive relationship with Link. She unfortunately doesn't get the sapphic treatment outside of Fanon, but you can't have everything you want all the time. We've only talked about a few, but we identified a ton of Merriam-aligned characters that we don't have time to go into detail about. So, without further ado, the lightning round. Misada Katsuragi from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Allura from Voltron Legendary Defender. Pearl from Steven Universe. Perfuma from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And Shala from Chrono Trigger. She's a Kanaya and a Gamzi. So that's it. That's the list. Time to stop recording, right? Uh, now wait, don't we need to tell the good listeners what it all means? Well, okay, I guess so. Mariams are another example, along with Vriskas, of an archetype that has a lot of potential to show strong, vibrant, feminine characters. Of course, with the Mariams, we have to be careful about falling into stereotypes related to motherhood and femininity. It's easy to write these characters off as simply the support system for the real main characters but we think that does a disservice to the complexity and nuance of the Merriams. In the hands of a capable writer, the balance between supporting others and facilitating her own personal growth can be explored to great effect, something that gives well-written Merriams a huge amount of depth and complexity. As always, we want to encourage our listeners to use these archetypes to expand how they think about the characters in other media and how they relate back to Homestuck. Because ultimately, it seems like we can relate basically anything back to Homestuck. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. And remember, a spoonful of grub sauce helps the chemically formulated disease remedy go down. Ah!